Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 3, Episode 8, The Traitor. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, so that you can get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome special guest artist Carolina Serna. Please check the show notes for links to Carolina's amazing artwork and coloring page. Before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to thank our amazing Patreon family. Fad Pack is brought to you by Dirt Road Theater, a small local theater company in Northfield, Vermont, and your support on Patreon goes such a long way towards making this story possible. It was so wonderful to see some of your faces and hear your thoughts during our live Zoom shows. So, a very special thank you to Lisette from... Hmm places unknown. We love to see things you've created that are inspired by Fad Pack. We've seen costumes and Lego creatures, clay sculptures, and stuffed animal impersonators, as well as many, many gorgeous drawings and paintings. So we encourage all of you listeners to create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then, if you'd like, you can share your creation with us on our Facebook page or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now let us begin Season 3, Episode 8 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, The Traitor. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice Carnelian, Edwin Lyle, Smudge, Tom, Megan, and Furball arrived at the Blasted Lands in the middle of the ocean, home of the Rock Giants, to discover that the Giants were sheltering Beatrice's missing daughter, Stella. Before they could leave with Stella, a terrible volcanic eruption created by Magnolia, one of the flower fairies, who had turned traitor and was working against the forces of good, swept through the blasted lands, and Carnelian sacrificed their life to save them all. Wisteria and the other flower fairies, Dahlia and Frisia, arrived in the blasted lands to stop Magnolia, but they were too late. When we first materialized upon this world into our corporeal forms, Carnelian and I were inseparable. We did everything together, and were as much a part of each other's lives as two fairies ever were. We... Excuse me, Wisteria? Ah, yes, Edwin. Well, I was wondering, when you say materialized into your corporeal form, do you mean when you were babies? Are fairies babies? Are there fairy babies? Were there tiny little carnelian and wisteria fairies just like romping all around together? Because that is really cute. Well, no, fairies are never babies. We come into being ready for the world and all it holds. Oh, okay, wow. It was the day after the volcanic eruption and Carnelian's passing. The dragons, Tom, Megan, and the flower fairies had gathered together in one of the smaller chambers of the giant's caves, one that had less damage than the others, to hold a remembrance ceremony for Carnelian. All around them, the giants were working hard to repair the damage from the eruption the day before. Many giants had been injured, and the caves would take what Narak had assured them were weeks of repairs. As I was saying, ages upon ages ago, as Dunaya was newly forming, we were simply fairies. 
There were no divisions as there are now. There were no crystal fairies, flower fairies, arbor fairies, marsh fairies, thunder fairies. Whoa! What in the hey who are thunder fairies? Young dragons, please! I am trying to make a speech. They are radical thrill seekers that live comfortably in bursts of energy hotter than the sun. Lots of fun. Anyway, before the divisions among us, all fairies were one. Wait, wait, wait! So you're saying that fairies weren't always separate? That there weren't always different kinds? I had no idea, Mom. Did you hear that? Yes, Edwin. Yes, that's correct. Carnelian and I, we were the same. We were equals. Both of us curious and mischievous, intelligent, sharp-witted, glamorous, captivating. I digress. Anyway, yes. Until the world started to. Shift to change, and the fairies began to fight amongst themselves, slowly parting ways, choosing those elements of nature that resonated most deeply within them, and choosing the company of only those fairies that shared that resonance. The unicorns fled, and the fairies divided. Muttered Tom, just like the prophecy said. Naturally, I assumed that Carnelian and I would choose the same life we always had before. And believe me, I tried. Stars know how I tried to love those cursed rocks more than you ever tried to. Well, things happened. Things were said, and they—they they didn't want to become a flower fairy, not with me. Oh no, Wisteria, that's really sad. Yeah, that reminds me of the time I had that grasshopper friend, Susanna, and she, Lyle. Began Beatrice impatiently. And Edwin, it is not your turn to talk. This is a,、uh, Megan. Can you please explain it again? A remembrance ceremony, replied Megan. It's a human custom where we can gather, speak about our loved ones, and grieve together. Um, usually one at a time. Thank you, Megan. Responded Beatrice, looking sharply at Lyle and Edwin. Oops, sorry, my bad. Yeah, Lyle, zip that big old rabbit chomper of yours and let Wisteria talk. Rabbit chomper? My chomper does not look like a rabbit. Oh wait, I get it. All right, because because I eat rabbits. Okay, okay, that's a good one, Edwin. Edwin, Lyle, sorry, sorry. Please continue, Wisteria. Well, yes, as I was saying, Carnelian and I had a falling out. We fought bitterly and long, as fairies will do, you know. There was the. Peony incident. I may have turned them into one, but that was only because they had turned my flower bed into a. Well, what's done is done. By the end of it, I fear things were said and done that could never be forgiven. A fairy rarely forgives. I chose the flower, and Carnelian the crystal. But all of the strife and. Conflict aside, I, I, Carnelian was my, and I would never admit this to their arrogant, unforgiving, self-important face. But Carnelian was my closest friend. They meant so much to me, and I, you loved them," said Edwin. Well, no fairies don't. No, I know you guys always say that. But I just think that you think that love is a certain thing, but it's not. It can look all different ways and feel all different ways, 
And you can have all kinds of love in your life. And maybe your and Carnelian's love didn't look like the way you thought love should look. But that does not mean that it wasn't love. No, mom, it's fine. I'm contributing. You loved Carnelian. And they loved you. And that's beautiful. Even if you were mean to each other sometimes for thousands of years. Wisteria was looking at Edwin, their eyes spilling over with tears. Yes, they said softly. Yes, maybe you're right, Edwin. And no matter what we call it, I will miss them more than I can say. And I wish I could have righted things before their end came. They were one of the most powerful and the wisest fairies I have ever known. And no matter what happened between us, I am glad to have once called them friend. I think that is all for now. Ah, began Beatrice, looking at her youngest draglings, who each appeared to be attempting to put a small boulder into their mouths. Does anyone else want to speak before we conclude this ceremony? I'm not sure how much longer Smudge and Stella will remain focused. Oh, no, what are you two doing? Spit those out! Oh, it's just boulder biting, Mom. It's a new game Smudge and Stella made up. See, okay, basically you just, like, try to see who can swallow the biggest boulder. So far, Stella holds the record. But Smudge is definitely getting better, Beatrice sighed. Well, I guess it's better than Ponyball. Tom raised a hand. Uh, I'd like to say something. I mean, I don't have a speech or anything, but I just wanted to say that I've never met anyone like Carnelian before. Not ever. I will never forget them. In Carnelian, I... I will try to keep my mouth closed. Edwin stepped forward. I love you, Carnelian, so, 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 so much. And I know you loved us in your very special and completely unique Carnelian way. Carnelian, you were just awesome. Thanks for being like the smallest, but definitely the coolest creature I have ever known. Thank you for protecting us, said Beatrice slowly, for saving my life for keeping my children safe. And thank you, Carnelian, for giving your life so that we could keep ours. There was a moment of silence broken by a brisk clap from Wisteria. Well, that was nice. Thank you for the suggestion, Megan. But there is much to be done. Frisia, Dahlia, to me, you know what's next. Before they could break and go their separate ways, Tom approached the fairies. I really like what you said, Wisteria, said Tom. I didn't know all of that about the fairies, how things were before... I guess I never thought about that line of the song before. The fairies divided. I thought they'd always been that way. Oh no, said Dahlia. It was the only way to keep the peace, you see. We had to break off into our own groups or risk open war, and Dunaya was not ready for a fairy war. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. That would have been so incredible, though, added Frisia thoughtfully. Why did you choose to become flower fairies? asked Megan. 
Flowers are like the awesomest. And we get to spend all our time making herbal tinctures and plucking dewy blossoms and extracting the sweet nectar of buds and shoots. And we smell really good. That is true. They do smell really good. Wisteria nodded. I couldn't imagine another life. I could never live underground in the crystal caverns as the crystal fairies do. And don't get me started on the aqua fairies. Ugh. Hold up, aqua fairies? Whoa, there is so much we didn't know. That is so true, Lyle. Different cultures and species are an endless journey of delight and discovery, Wisteria nodded. Well, if we're all done here, we have a certain flower fairy to deal with. Magnolia? asked Beatrice. They're here? Oh, they're here all right, said Dahlia. While you were all crying and moaning yesterday, we went right into their silly little interdimensional hidey hole and yanked them right back here. They have to answer to the floral justice, added Frisia. And they will answer, said Wisteria, narrowing their eyes. Beatrice, I feel that you should come with us to hear what they have to say. My heart tells me it will concern you. But... I would not suggest allowing your children to attend this questioning session. It will be most unpleasant. Beatrice nodded. Lyle, Edwin, why don't you go take Smudge and Stella to the main cavern? See if you can help Narak and the Giants with any repairs or cleanup. Okay, Mom, but I don't know if we can take Stella anywhere. I mean, Smudge we can at least kind of lure, you know? But Stella, mm -mm, she does her own thing. Well, do your best, please. Okay, let's go, Lyle. It's Operation Babysit the Rock Chompers time. Now that there are two of them, it is really up to us, as their elders, to take a firm claw in their upbringing. Uh, Edwin? Yes, Lyle? They're gone. Oh, no, already? Well, come on, Lyle, we have to find them. They probably shouldn't be running around with boulders in their mouths like that. Megan, Tom, would you mind asked Beatrice, looking in concern after the disappearing tales of Lyle and Edwin. "'On it,' said Megan, who grabbed Tom's hand and pulled him from the room. As Edwin and Lyle tore from the chamber, Wisteria turned to Beatrice. "'Follow us, Beatrice. You will now see how the flower fairies handle traitors.'" Beatrice was restless as she followed the fluttering forms of Wisteria, Dahlia, and Frisia through the tunnels of the giant's cave, she thought of her children. Without Carnelian, she had no way of knowing how Petra and Asriel were doing, and now that she had found Stella, her instinct to gather up all her draglings, to stay together, to go home, was so strong. She had done what she had set out to do, hadn't she? She had found her missing egg, she had found her Stella, her job was done. But there were many other things to consider. She didn't know if Stella would go with her yet. So far, her youngest daughter had barely looked her way, and Beatrice had not touched her once. Stella seemed very happy to wrestle with Smudge and had even slept next to him the night before, but Beatrice noticed that she still hadn't approached Lyle or Edwin, and while she would nuzzle and play with Megan, she shied away if Tom got too close. And then there was the problem of even locating Azrael and Petra, and where would they all go? Back to Scrag Mountain? It was their home. It was where they belonged, and of course her dream had been to have all six of her children there, her whole family together. But for some reason, Scrag Mountain seemed very far away right now. Perhaps it was just because she had been gone for so long, because so much had happened. 
Excuse me, Beatrice. I don't mean to interrupt your obviously deep and significant reverie, but we have arrived. Are you ready? Wisteria had landed on Beatrice's shoulder and was gesturing ahead of them to a closed door. Beatrice shook her head to clear her thoughts, gently, so as not to dislodge the fairy. Yes, I am ready. Although, uh, Wisteria, what am I getting ready for, exactly? You're questioning Magnolia? That is correct. We will indeed be questioning them. And why is it important that I be here? My dear Beatrice, Magnolia did not cause this terrible disaster because of a vendetta against the giants. It was because of you. And because of your dear Stella. Because of us? It's not your fault, of course, but were it me and a rogue fairy had tried to annihilate me and most of my family as well as my nice human, fairy, and feline companions, along with an island full of giants, just to get to me? I would want to understand a little bit more about that. Beatrice looked at Wisteria for a moment, blinked, and nodded. Yes, you're right. That is fair. Magnolia pointed their finger at the door, and it swung open to reveal a small, empty chamber. Though there was a great deal of rubble on the floor and several cracks in the walls around, it seemed to have fared better than most of the giant's caves that Beatrice had seen so far. Then, Beatrice noticed something in the center of the room. A small, luminescent bubble was placed on the floor, emanating an eerie green glow. Beatrice squinted and could just make out inside the bubble the slim green form of Magnolia, suspended as if floating in the orb's core. Magnolia, she whispered. "'You mean the traitor?' spat Frisia. "'How did you get them in there?' asked Beatrice. "'Oh, it was nothing. Just your standard fairy bubble imprisonment scenario. "'The Petalbright is really good at it. "'None of us could break out of that if we had a hundred years,' Dahlia added. "'Wisteria fluttered to the ground and began circling the orb. "'Hello, Magnolia. How are you this morning?' "'Magnolia turned a withering gaze on Wisteria but said nothing.' Not talking today, I see. Well, that's fine. We will soon loosen your tongue. Beatrice was beginning to get nervous. While she certainly had no love of Magnolia, she wasn't sure what Wisteria had in store for them. All right, Magnolia, you can choose how hard this is going to be. We have just a few simple questions for you. We know you're with the Mandibles. Who are they? And where are they located? Magnolia looked at Wisteria and smiled. Not going to make this easy? Oh, that's all right. I have a lot of ideas to encourage you to talk. Furball, come here, sweet one. Furball trotted briskly into the chamber, his tail held high. He butted his head against Beatrice's leg and then sat next to Magnolia. Dahlia, Frisia, the slate. Dahlia and Frisia snapped their fingers in unison, and a large sheet of slate floated into the room and landed gently in front of Furball. Now, Magnolia, Furball here is going to sharpen his claws on the slate, aren't you, Furball? It will be a most unpleasant sound. Do you feel like answering my question now? Magnolia raised their chin defiantly and still said nothing. Very well. Go ahead, Furball. Furball stretched forward luxuriously before stepping onto the slate, stretching out his front legs and extending his nails. The resulting sound created a screech that sent shivers up and down Beatrice's spine, but Magnolia, other than pinching their lips together hard, still didn't speak. Hmm, said Wisteria, raising a hand for Furball to stop. Not enough yet? Not to worry. Bring in the child. 
Frisia and Dahlia fluttered to the door and ushered in a small giant child who was carrying a brass horn. Magnolia, this is Rascal. She is just six years old and learning to play this incredible instrument. She is going to practice for you. I'll ask you again. Who are you working for? Magnolia shook their head and Wisteria smiled. Go ahead, Rascal. Magnolia's eyes widened in shock as Rascal began to play, her notes shrill, piercing, and extremely off-key. Beatrice winced, but tried to look encouraging, as Rascal seemed to be quite proud of her skills. After a few moments, though Magnolia was looking at the ground and breathing heavily, they still wouldn't speak. Wisteria flew to Rascal, who was playing a particularly piercing note, her cheeks puffed out, and patted her on the head. Yes, thank you, Rascal. Why don't you send in your little friend now? Rascal nodded cheerfully and left the room, reappearing a moment later with an even younger giant child, who was carrying a slim wooden pipe-like instrument. Magnolia, this is Lyndon. He is only three years old. He has never played this delightful thing before. We just gave it to him today. But don't worry, his mother tells us he never stops moving and has the lung capacity of a full-grown giant, so I think we are in for a real treat. Lyndon grinned and raised the instrument to his lips. I can be loud? he asked. Oh, very loud, please, Lyndon, said Wisteria, smiling sweetly. Lyndon blew on the instrument, and the resulting sound made Rascal's horn playing and Furball's nail scratching sound like sweet music. Magnolia was sweating now, trying to plug their ears in vain, but still wasn't talking. Wonderful, Lyndon, said Wisteria. Now, would you like to grab your friend Rascal and put on a little show for dear Magnolia here? They would so like to hear it. Lyndon nodded his head excitedly and ran from the room to get Rascal. I hope you enjoy your little concert, Magnolia. We'll be right outside if you need us. Lyndon and Rascal re-entered the room enthusiastically while Beatrice and the fairies filed outside. What followed was the most horrible combination of sounds Beatrice had ever heard. She couldn't imagine how these instruments could do anything besides cause pain. few minutes had passed before they heard Magnolia's frantic yells and they all went back into the chamber. Magnolia was standing with their hands over their ears. All right, enough, enough. I will answer your question. Mysteria smiled and clapped their hands to quiet the young musicians. Excellent. Thank you, Lyndon. Thank you, Rascal. As the two giant children left the room, Magnolia approached the edge of their bubble, breathing heavily. The mandibles. I work for the mandibles. I am one of them. Yes, yes, we know this. Anything else? We serve the great bone-eyed spider, and we will cleanse this world of all undesirable filth in his name, and we will not let the dragon star stop us. We will not be overcome. Wisteria pinched their lips together while Dahlia and Frisia shot death glares at Magnolia. And so you were sent to destroy Stella, whom you believe to be the young dragon star, rather than have her in the hands of your enemy. Magnolia nodded. Correct. That was like a really dramatic way to do that, though, whispered Frisia to Dahlia. Couldn't they just have gone after Stella and not had to, like, blow up a whole civilization and stuff? I've heard it's pretty hard to kill a baby dragon when the mom's around, answered Dahlia, looking at Beatrice. Even if they manage it, Beatrice is definitely the kind to hunt her child's killers to the end of the earth until justice is served. Am I right? You're definitely right, 
Wisteria shot a warning glance at the two others. You two, with your whispering, we can still hear you. What have I said about talking about creatures when they are right in front of you? Beatrice smiled grimly. It's all right, Wisteria. They are not wrong. Wisteria nodded and turned their attention back to Magnolia. We have another very, very important question for you, Magnolia. Wisteria took a deep breath and stepped so close to the bubble that their nose was practically against its surface. Where are the mandibles located? Why do you want to know that? Well, I would lie to you, but you'd see right through that. We want to stop them, of course. We want to go to their lair and destroy them all. This has to end, and you are going to help us. Frasia let out a low whistle. Wow, they just went there. True paddle bright style, added Dahlia. Magnolia laughed, a slightly eerie sound that echoed inside of the little bubble prison. As if I would ever give up their location, what do you take me for, Wisteria? You could bring in a whole orchestra of giant children playing instruments badly, and I wouldn't tell you, not ever, nothing can tear the truth from my lips, nothing! Wisteria tilted their heads sideways and smiled. Oh, but I think something will. Dahlia? Yes, Petalbright? Will you remind us what is the first item on the list of the Flower Fairy Code of Proper Conduct? Dahlia smiled. Staying clean as a flower helps us maintain all our power. Thank you, Dahlia. Are you ready for our little demonstration, Frisia? Frisia took a deep, shuddering breath. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. Are you ready, Dahlia? Dahlia nodded stoically. I am ready, but this will not be easy. The two fairies stepped forward and Wisteria nodded. Do it. Dahlia stooped and scraped up a handful of dirt from the cave floor, wincing as they did so as if they were touching scalding water. Magnolia's mouth fell open in shock. Wisteria was still smiling. That's right, Magnolia. Dahlia just picked up a handful of dirt. Do you know what they're going to do with it? Why don't you tell us, Dahlia? Dahlia looked as if they were going to be sick, but they answered clearly. I... I am going to rub the dirt on... on... on Frisia's face. Oh, stars, please forgive me. Wisteria nodded. Right on their face. Both cheeks. And maybe the forehead, too. And Frisia, are you going to wash that dirt off, or are you going to leave it? Frisia lifted their chin. I... Uh, I, uh, Stay strong, Frisia, said Dahlia. I am not going to wash it off, choked out Frisia. I am going to leave it on my face. I'm going to leave the dirt on my face. Magnolia gasped. No, they exclaimed. That's right, Wisteria said, and only you can stop it, Magnolia. Tell us what we need to know, and Dahlia will not rub the dirt on Frisia's face. Magnolia stared out from inside their bubble, completely pale. I will not tell you. Are you sure? asked Wisteria sweetly. I want to be completely clear. Frisia is not going to wash it off. It will stay on their face indefinitely, eventually mixing with sweat and food particles to create a grimy paste which will be sticky and hard to scrub off. Magnolia looked as if they might swoon. What do you say, Magnolia? Do you want to see a flower fairy get dirty? Magnolia was shaking their head frantically. Dahlia, you wouldn't. Oh, I would, 
said Dahlia weakly but with determination. Our cause is great, and the need is dire. Answer the question, Magnolia, said Wisteria. Magnolia shook their head. I can't. Please, don't make me. Do it, Dahlia. Dahlia approached slowly, raised their handful of dirt to Frisia's face, and took a deep breath. I'm sorry, Frisia. It is all right, Dahlia, said Frisia, reaching out a hand to support themselves on Wisteria's shoulder. You must. When Dahlia's hand was a mere inch from Frisia's face, Magnolia screamed. All right, fine, fine. I'll talk. Don't put the dirt on them, please. I can't bear the sight of it. It is an image that will haunt me all the rest of my waking hours. Wisteria nodded to Dahlia, who dropped the dirt in relief. Tell us. Magnolia took a deep breath and sat down inside of their bubble. I've never been there. My job was to spy and report back. But as a member, I of course know the location. The mandibles are... They are located in a castle stronghold on an island. It is heavily guarded, and they are many and strong. They will not go easily. Dahlia snorted. An island castle stronghold? What copycats? That was the weaver's thing. Also, how many island castle strongholds are there? Asked Frisia. Wisteria was also looking annoyed, but shook their head briskly. Well, I suppose it doesn't matter, does it? Magnolia, you are going to tell us everything you know about this island right now. One hour later, Beatrice, her head swimming, found herself gathered in the main cavern with Narak, his sister Liesel, two other giants, the fairies, Tom, Megan, and the draglings. They were holding what Narak was referring to as an informational meeting, and what Wisteria was referring to as a council of war. Edwin and Lyle were very excited about it either way, and even Smudge and Stella were in attendance, though they seemed to be more interested in wrestling than listening. Narak looked around at all of their grave and expectant faces. All right, well, Wisteria here has asked us to gather so that we can be included in some useful information. Information that sounds like it may explain what happened here yesterday, why all of us were put into such danger. Wisteria nodded briskly. Correct. All right, everyone, I'll keep this short. Simply put, the creatures responsible for yesterday's devastation, for the threat to your lives and home, and for the life of my dearest friend, are called the Mandibles. They are evil ruthless and bent on the utter destruction of Dunayan life as we know it. Oh, is that all? said Liesel, rolling her eyes. Let me be more specific. They are greedy, and they want this world for themselves. They have been working for many generations in secret to sow discord amongst the creatures of Dunaya. Within that chaos and confusion, they have taken power for themselves, unnoticed, while the lives of any outside of their circle become more difficult and less habitable. You giants, for example, used to live where you pleased. Now you exist mostly hidden in forgotten corners of the world. This is their work, their doing, and even here you are not safe. We believe the Mandibles are on the brink of taking control once and for all, but they are afraid of one creature who could stop them. This young dragon here. Wisteria pointed to Stella, who stopped her wrestling with Smudge and looked around at everyone in surprise, Smudge's foot in her mouth. They call her the Dragon Star, and they believe that she could ruin all of their plans. They are so afraid that they would destroy anyone and everything to get to her. What happened here is only the beginning. Unless we stop them and keep this dragon safe, no one is safe, no matter where they live. 
Until now, we could not fight an enemy that we could not see. The mandibles have worked hidden in the shadows. But today, Magnolia, the traitor and ex-flower fairy, has told us where they are located. As a member of the Weavers, as a flower fairy of Dunaya, and as someone who seeks vengeance for the death of a... Wisteria stopped and glanced at Edwin for a minute before resuming. Of a... loved one. It is a simple decision for me. My fairies and I will go there, and we will do everything in our power to destroy them. Now, my question for you all is this. Will you join us and fight? Fight for justice, for freedom, and for vengeance. There was a ringing silence in the cavern as all eyes looked at Wisteria, Dahlia, and Frisia standing among them, small, powerful, and determined. One of the giants cleared her throat and looked to Narak and Liesel. I beg pardon here, but why is this our problem? Why would we fight? Liesel shrugged. <laughs> Sounds like it's one of those fighting for the greater good situations, isn't it? We fight for Denia to make the world a better place and all that? The giant who had posed the question shrugged. But that's just it, isn't it? What do we owe Dunaya? We exist here and many other places because we can't live anywhere else. Because we have been forced into the spaces that no one else wants. Why would we fight for a world that did that to us? Liesel tilted her head thoughtfully to one side. Well, I see your point, Agnes. But this fairy is correct. If the destruction we've endured was at the hands of these mandibles or whatever they call themselves, then what if... In helping to rid Denia of these creatures, we're actually working towards a better place. A place where giants can exist more freely with the rest of Denia. Narak was studying his hands. He spoke slowly. Now, I take your point, Agnes, but what Liesel says is true. We wouldn't be fighting because we owe anyone anything. We'd be fighting because we have hope. In what? asked the giant Agnes skeptically. In a better world, Narak responded simply. A more equal, balanced world. And if that doesn't do anything for you, look at it this way. That fairy Carnelian sacrificed their life to save us. Without them and the other fairies, we'd all be under ten feet of lava and ash right now. The least we can do is help them out, now that they've asked. Agnes paused for a moment and then nodded. She glanced at the other giant, who was also nodding. Liesel smiled. <laughs> we fight, then? Narak nodded and slung an arm around his sister's shoulders. We fight! Lyle was bouncing up and down in excitement. Wow, this is so great! Mom, we fight too, right? Right, Mom? Beatrice looked around her uncertainly. She watched Smudge and Stella work together to crush a medium-sized boulder into pebbles by smacking it with their tail spikes. She looked at Lyle's shining, expectant face and Edwin's large and serious eyes. She looked at Tom, who was standing thoughtfully beside her, a purring furball in his arms. And she looked at Megan, who was the only creature that seemed to be able to control Stella at all, and to whom she probably owed her youngest daughter's life. She could not risk them. Not any of them. She could not fight. She was so tired. Why did she have to keep fighting? She had what she wanted now. She had Stella. Why not just go home? Why not just gather her children and run? She knew Dunaya was crumbling, but she agreed with Agnes. What did she owe Dunaya? Hadn't she done enough? Didn't she deserve a rest to sit in the sunshine on her mountain while all six of her babies played nearby? Mom, said Edwin softly. I want to fight too. Beatrice shook her head. I'm sorry. I can't. I just... I can't fight anymore. I can't keep risking my children. We need to go home. There was a heavy silence, and then Edwin spoke again. 
mom, what about Carnelian? Carnelian would fight and we can fight for them because we love them and they loved us. And and you know what, mom, I've been thinking about this and it's kind of scary, but it's scary true, you know? And what I've been thinking is if the prophecy is real, which I mean, it kind of seems like it is at this point, then it doesn't really matter what we do or where we go. Stella isn't going to be safe. None of us will be, right? Edwin's eyes were huge and brimming with tears, and she took a deep breath before continuing. And if our family is part of this all, then isn't it our job to help, to do what Liesel said, and to try to make Dunaya better? That just seems like a really nice thing to do. Beatrice looked away from Edwin, blinking back her own tears. She knew that her daughter was right, and she wasn't sure when her children had managed to gain so much wisdom. But how could she find the strength? Tom, she said, what do you think? You have done your duty. You have helped me in my quest, which was successful. You owe me nothing now. You can return home. Tom raised his eyebrows at Beatrice. Well, Beatrice, I guess, (laughs) I guess at this point, I go where you go. We've come as far together, and if you have a new quest, I'll be there for that one, too. Beatrice looked at Megan. What about you? Megan smiled. I'm a weaver, remember? I will fight. Um, even though I've, I've never done that before, and I have no idea what that involves. But I'm ready. She reached out and grabbed Tom's hand. Tom looked for a moment as if he had just walked into a brick wall, but returned Megan's gesture, squeezing her hand tightly. Beatrice emitted a small roar of frustration. She paced back and forth for a moment, conscious that all eyes were on her. What was the right thing to do? Was her duty to keep her family safe or to fight for the greater good? Were they the same thing? When had they become the same thing? She felt a firm nudge against her chest and looked down to see Smudge looking up at her. Mom? he said. Beatrice gasped at hearing Smudge say her name for the first time. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Smudge. Stella wants... Hug. Beatrice looked at Stella, who had crept up behind Smudge and was staring in concentration at Beatrice's feet. Beatrice was speechless for a moment. A hug? From me? Smudge nodded. Hug from Mom. Beatrice gently extended her wings, then stopped. Stella, she said softly, would you like a hug? Stella looked up at Beatrice, and as their eyes met, Beatrice saw herself in Stella's face. She saw Edwin, Lyle... Smudge, Asriel, and Petra, all of them in Stella's strong, steady gaze. Stella didn't respond to the question, only stared blankly at Beatrice. Beatrice approached Stella with her wings outstretched. Stella began to growl softly and smoke poured from her nostrils. She looked like she might run. Could Smudge have been wrong? Beatrice hesitated for a moment. But then she looked closely at Stella. She had been so alone, and she needed love. But she was scared. Beatrice was her mother she couldn't be scared too. Beatrice wrapped her wings around Stella. Stella's body, small and strong like Smudge's, felt so different than his did. She was fiery hot and her muscles tense. But after a moment, Beatrice could feel her relax, and Stella's growl became a kind of purr, even while smoke still billowed around her. Smudge gave a little growl and butted his way under Beatrice's wings next to Stella, and Beatrice squeezed them both, her third set of egg twins, together against her for the first time. Lyle, those are a lot of new words for Smudgy. 
Yeah, they are. Family hug, screamed Lyle, and within seconds he and Edwin had piled in, and Beatrice held them all, crying like she never remembered crying before. She nestled her head down amongst them, inhaling the warmth and scent of her four children. After a moment she gathered herself, taking a deep breath. She raised her head and looked at Wisteria and the fairies, tightening her wings around the draglings. All right, she said. All right, we fight. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for episode nine, The Widow. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication for us, and you know, she recently paid us a visit. She scared the daylights out of our chickens, but it was great to see her. If you're enjoying Fad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means so much to us. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fad Pack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic Gracelin and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>